And I want to take you to a familiar story. If you've been around church, maybe you've heard this story. If not, it's a great parable from the teachings of Jesus. It comes to us in the story of the Bible from the Gospel of Matthew, right near the end of what we often call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a set of teachings that Jesus gave while sitting on a mountainside to a large group of people. There's some incredibly beautiful things in the Sermon on the Mount. There are the Beatitudes, the attitudes that we're supposed to have as followers of Jesus as we approach life. There's in the Sermon on the Mount the teaching where Jesus said that we're supposed to turn the other cheek and not repay evil for evil. There's so many beautiful things, but when Jesus got done teaching, it's as if he knew that people might hear what he had to say, but not put it into practice. It's as if he knew that it would be easy to be stirred, but not actually be changed by what people heard. So he ends this sermon with an incredible parable or story that I think is so applicable to where we are today. I want to read it to you, and you can follow along in Matthew chapter 27, verse 24 through 29. Here's what our Bible says. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And then verse number 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. It's an interesting few days that we've been in, isn't it? A lot of questions, a lot of shifting information, experts on one side of a concern, experts on another, and people discovering new information and changing their understanding of what's going on. I have a sense that over the next few days, there might be a handful of more shifting realities. But today, I came to remind you that while all the realities around us are shifting and the world's realities change constantly, that if you're a child of God, there is a solid, stable, unchanging reality. And that is that your heavenly father is the kind of guy you can depend upon. He is a solid foundation. In the parable of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 7, he is the rock upon which to build your house. I'm grateful in my 50 or so years of living on this earth that I'm just beginning to understand just how dependable God really is. I've lived just long enough to see a handful of turbulent times. I've seen a handful of shifting realities. Candidly, I've never seen anything quite like what we're going through. But I've seen enough to know that when things are shifting, the most important thing, the top thing you can do is to return back 
to the solid foundation. You know, I think that's exactly what Jesus was trying to convince the multitudes on that day. That they sat around him with the lake at their back and the, the climbing mountain as they looked forward at him. I think he was trying to convince them that they can depend on Jesus. They can depend on their heavenly father. That they can actually build a life that isn't prone to the shifting realities. That isn't brought to cataclysmic end because things change. Did you notice in the parable a couple of things that repeated? For the guy that built his house on a rock, that was a good thing. But even when you build your house on the rock, the winds come. They always come. The winds are coming to all of us now, culture-wide. But for many of you, you've been through seasons of life where the winds came into your life and the storms raged and you experienced the reality of changing life situations. You've already been through that. You've experienced a death. Some of you have had illness. For the person who built his house on the rock in the story, the winds came. And for the person who had built their house on the sand, the winds came, the storm raged. The difference in the story is not that somehow if you follow God, your situation, your life, your house is removed from the possibility of difficulty. That's not what the parable is telling us. The parable is telling us that all of us are going to go through that. It's telling us, though, that the difference comes on where your foundation is. When we talk about the foundation of a house in this parable, what we're really talking about is the foundation of your life. I don't want to capitalize on fear in any way today. In fact, I think that fear, if you're a child of God, is not your destiny. It's not your way. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't have to be held captive by fear. We don't have to be immobilized by fear. We don't have to be consumed by fear. But he's giving us a, a spirit of power, of love, and sound thinking. And I think the most sound thinking you can do for the next few minutes is thinking about the foundation of your life. What's really going on underneath? Now, I don't know all that God's trying to do in our life right now. I don't know all that God's trying to do in all that we see around us, but I know this. I know that he wants to build your faith. I know that. There's a lot I don't know. Now, I don't know if we're going to be able to travel like we've been used to traveling for the next few days. I, I don't know the rate of sickness. I don't know how it's going to touch your family. Right now, a lot of us have been significantly, at least in our community, inconvenienced. Maybe that's as far as it goes. But I know this, that your heavenly Father and mine is trying to get our attention to help us think through what is the foundation of our life because what he wants to do is he wants to grow your faith. You see, it's all about a relationship. I've had a chance, like many of you, to think about what's important to me. And so my kids now are home because school is canceled. College has been delayed. Their spring break has been lengthened. And so they're home. And I've had a chance to think about relationships. And when I've thought about relationships, I've thought about this. You know what makes relationships go well? That's when there's a lot of trust. And there's a lot of trust. When Jill and I got married, we stood before a 
pastor and an audience and our family, and we made promises to each other, and we meant them deeply. It was so easy to make these promises because I loved her, I was in love with her, and then we went on our honeymoon, and it was amazing, and then we came back, and we started doing life together, and it was great. But one of the things that became very clear early is, is that we had a lot of growing to do. When it came to our relationship, we had to learn to trust one another on levels we had never trusted. As we began to find jobs and finish our education and have kids and go through transitions, the trust that we had for one another became for us the foundation of our relationship. And as went our trust, so went the relationship. You know how this works. In your work environment with your friends, when trust is high, everything is easier. Everything is better. Intimacy flows better. Conversations flow better. It's easier to have conversations about hard things when there's high trust. Now, the biblical word for trust is faith. It's faith. And in this season of life, all of us who are children of God, in fact, our entire culture, is having a conversation that at its core is about trust. If you're a child of God today, it's a great time to come back to this fundamental reality in your relationship with God. The question is simple. Do you trust him? Now, I'm not asking, do you have any emotions of concern? That's fair. That's valid. In fact, to have trust doesn't mean that you don't have any concerns. You can be both worried and have courage. In fact, courage is not the absence of concern. It's the commitment to continue to move forward even when those concerns are present. Faith doesn't mean that you don't have any worries. It doesn't mean that you don't have any concerns. And it certainly doesn't mean that you have all the answers and that you know how it's all going to work out. Your faith as a child of God simply means that you know with confidence that you can depend upon God because the relationship that he invited you into is solid and his commitment to you will hold. And no matter what shifts around you, it is the rock upon which your life is built. Again, I don't know. All that God's trying to do through what this world is currently going through. But I know this. I know what he wants to do in your life. He wants to build your faith because your mature trust of him is a huge deal to God. It's a very big deal because it sets the tone and the pace of your relationship with him. Every once in a while, God will use the circumstances of your life to grab your attention and remind you what's most important. And we're in a moment right now of what I like to call the pivot. Some of you are sports people, I'm not. But I know that in basketball, there's the pivot rule, that once you grab hold of the ball, you either dribble or you stand still. What you can't do is just move your feet around. You can pivot. That is, you can, without dribbling, you can move as long as one foot stays stationary in its place. You can change direction. You can turn. You can turn away from the opposition towards your team. And we're in a moment of pivot, pivot right now as a culture. 
as believers, and God's trying to grab our attention to help us see what's really important. It's a time to pivot away from the things that are not as important to the things that are most important. And all of us, if we slow down just enough, our list of what's important begins to look pretty similar. In times like this, we're reminded that family's important. And luxuries are nice, but they're not essential. At times like this, we begin to remember that without sounding morbid at all, life has always been transient. None of us have ever been promised tomorrow. Now, that can paralyze you in fear, or the reality that we're having questions about the deep issues of life right now can cause you to run back. In fact, it will cause you to run back to the foundation upon which you've built your life. And that's the fundamental question today. What's the quality of the foundation that you've built your life upon? Is it more like a rock? If so, we're going to explore that for a few minutes, about how powerful that is. Or is it more like the sand? In both situations, the wind blows, the storm comes, the water rises. But depending on what's underneath, the effect on the house is radically different. On the rock, it stands. On the sand, it falls. So we're in a moment of pivot, and God's trying to grab our attention so that we can really see what's important. And that challenge of looking and seeing is such a big deal. Here's one of the reasons why we can feel very uncertain in times like this, because none of us knows the future. We never did. In fact, as long as the wind wasn't howling and the water wasn't rising, we could create, create we could craft a life that felt very much in control. Well, any pretense of control that we thought we had is beginning to fade away. And the sacredness and the importance and the transitory nature of life is getting a little more light on it. That's not a bad thing. It's disconcerting. It can be uncomfortable. But it brings us to the bedrock questions, doesn't it? What is your foundation? What is your life built on? And are the real priorities that really matter, are they your priorities? Now, the good news is, is that we have a God that is bent towards us. And one of the most important passages in all the Bible, one of the most famous passages, it gets quoted a lot in churches, even in Sports arenas, when we can come back together, people will have this verse, John 3, 16, etched on their, on their eyelids, on tattoos, on signs. You'll see it everywhere. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would, do you know the next word? Whoever would believe on him. That's, that's a synonym term for trust or would have faith in him. And the very foundation of our relationship with God has always been about trust. And when God invites us back into a relationship with him, when he invites us to become his child, we all pass through the doorway of trust. In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, when God first created humankind, he put him, them, man and woman, in a garden, the story tells us. And there was a fundamental issue of trust at stake in the relationship. 
Would they trust God? All of this stuff you can enjoy, but don't go over here. Hear me, God said to them. Don't go over here because if you go over here, bad stuff's going to happen to you. But since we're in a relationship, you can trust me. And the Bible says this awesome, beautiful picture that God would come down in the cool of the day and they would talk. They'd be in close proximity. There was deep trust. They would converse. There was an intimacy between God and humanity. But as the story unfolds, that trust was called into question. When the serpent talks with Eve in the story, he says, did God really say? And he begins to undermine the trust that existed between humanity and God. And some of you know the rest of the story. Eve takes the forbidden fruit. The trust relationship is broken and humanity and the world is plunged into a dark situation. In fact, we're still feeling the effects of this. We live in a broken and fallen world. It was broken because the trust that was offered between God and humanity was broken. But think about this. When God wants to reconnect with the people he loves, he offers them the same door. Whoever believes in me, whoever trusts in me, will not perish but have everlasting life. Today, I want to challenge you to use this opportunity to grow in your trust and confidence of the God who has sealed you. When the winds of life blow and the water rises, there is a God with a door open inviting you to pass through. You pass through that doorway on the door front. The label is trust. Will you trust him today? No, I'm not suggesting that when you trust him, everything gets better instantly. I'm not suggesting that when you trust him that you have guarantees that the transitory nature of life is going to cease to be transitory or that the winds that are blowing are going to stop blowing. What I'm suggesting is, is that when you trust him, the foundation of your life radically alters. Now, let me give you three big ways it changes. When you grow in trust today, you move from suspicion and worry towards confidence. You move from suspicion towards confidence. This is what happened as mine and Jill's relationship matured. In our relationship, when we were first married and coming off the honeymoon, we didn't really know much. But in the first couple of years, I began to notice certain cracks in our relationship, certain expectations I had weren't met, certain things that she expected me to do, I didn't do. And there developed in our relationship, as often happens in friends and marriages between parents and kids, a certain suspicion. And over the next 28, now 30 years, we had to learn to get past our suspicion and to grow in confidence. And let me tell you the unique thing about the confidence I learned in my marriage that speaks as well to our life spiritually. I don't have confidence in my wife because I know everything she's going to do. That's not what I have confidence in. Now, I know a lot about it. We've been together a long time. We can almost finish each other's sentences. And that's the way it is in faith. If you walk with God for a long time, you begin to see some of how he works. That's why he wants you in a consistent, stable relationship with him. You get to know his nature. But it's even not confidence in what we know he's going to do. No, we have confidence not in what is going to happen, but in who is going to be there when it happens. This is what Jesus tried to tell us over and over again. 
He said it in his final statements to his believers, and I want to remind you believers of it today, that he would be with us even until the very end of time. I have confidence in my wife, not because I know everything she's going to do, but I know who she is, and I know she's going to be with me. And based on who she is, I can have confidence then that no matter what happens, we will be fine together. And when it comes to your faith, it's so much more foundational than a marriage relationship or a relationship between parents or children or friends in a community or coworkers. You can have confidence as you grow in your faith that when the winds blow and the storms howl, that God who is stable and unchanging will be there present for you. You can move from suspicion. Now I want to ask you a couple questions. What would it look like in your relationship if you had complete and total trust in God? What if you believed at the core of who you are that he was always for you? That even when the storm was raging, he was 100% for you? What if everything you thought about was filtered through the lens of God is for my good. God is working all things for my good. What if you deeply believed at the core of your being all the way down to the foundation that he who began a good work in you is actually and truly faithful to complete what he started in you? How would that impact how you think about the storms that howl in your life? These are the questions that are deeply impacting me the last few days as I think about the people I'm talking with. My phone has rang off the hook as I've received the emails and the texts. Ben, at the core of your own life as you even try to point people towards the Lord, do you have the deepest confidence that your God is in charge, that he is not only the beginner and the ender of things, the alpha and the omega, but every point in between, he knows exactly what he's doing. Do you trust him? If you grow in trust, let me tell you something else that happens. You begin to transform from confusion to clarity. Again, it doesn't mean that you know everything that's going to happen. Let me take you to one of the most confusing and troubling times in the story of the New Testament. It happened with Mary and Joseph. Jesus was about 13 years old, and they had made a trip to the temple, and it's crowded, and they're with family and friends, and on their way out, Mary and Joseph notice Jesus is missing. He's gone, and they are validly frustrated, concerned, nervous. And you know how it is, parents, don't you? When you get a little scared, a little stressful, it can sound a little bit like anger, right? Maybe it's just me. But they're a little scared, frustrated, and they start looking around. And when they find Jesus, you can read it in the text, they're, they're a little perplexed and frustrated at him. Where have you been? And he says a phrase that I think is clarifying for all of us. It's so important in times of confusion, in times of stress, Jesus says, didn't you know, I have to be about my father's business. That's a clarifying statement for us today. There is a lot of things I don't know about. And right now, we've set two weeks that we wouldn't meet. We would meet online. 
Maybe that's all we'll have to do. That's what I'm praying for. Because honestly, candidly, I miss you. It's odd talking to an empty room. My wife is here, some of the staff. Thank you very much. You may not be able to hear them, but they have been amening me more than you guys have ever done it. So when you get back, I expect more of that. So when I don't know what's going to go on, here's what I can know. That as a follower of God, as a Christian, as one whose life is built upon the rock, I am supposed to get about my father's business. I am not to be so paralyzed by fear that I hunker down and just try to weather the storm. That is not the picture of a life built on the rock. Now, I am to take precaution. I am to care for my family. That's part of my responsibility. I'm to be wise. But I am to be about my father's business. I take care of my family in part because that is my father's business. And I am kind. And I share. And I speak words of life and hope. And I remind people what's really important in the middle of this. That, that is my father's business. Let me tell you something. If you don't know what to do, and if the world should tend to inch towards greater confusion over the next few days, listen to me. Be about your father's business. Be salt. Be light. Be kind. Share. Give up some of what you have. Reach into your stockpile. Pass it on to a neighbor. I have been so pleased by the stories and the reports of foreseers who already are offering and have already delivered goods and, and, and kindness and written texts and made phone calls to people because they are understanding that in a time when social isolation seems somewhat valid and important and necessary, it doesn't mean that we are completely separated in fact, there are new ways for us to connect and new ways for us to be the people of God, the community of faith. When you're growing in trust, number three, let me tell you what happens. It lowers your fear and it raises your courage. It lowers your fear and it raises your courage. It doesn't raise your courage because you know everything that's going to happen. In fact, I don't have courage because I know how it's all going to end but I have courage because I trust the author who's writing, writing the story. I don't know when's the last time you turned to the back of your Bible and read the end. Now, let me just put it to you in simple terms. Those that are with Christ win. Even when they go through dark times, on the deepest, most important levels, the children of God win. Disciples win. Christians win. When the world calls us losers, we stand before the God who does not change, and he looks at us and says, well done, good and faithful. And no matter what comes against the people of God, they are victorious. This is the end of the story. And I don't know all the chapters in between, but I've read the final chapter, and we're going to be okay. And in between, God's going to use us to do some incredible things. So this is a great time, men, who are married, to double down and becoming a disciple who knows how to love his wife and to serve her. That's what the Bible calls you to do. So get about your father's business. It's a great time if you've been distracted and you haven't been leaning into your parenting to double down and get about your father's business Lean in with your kids. Parents, that's a great time. It is a great time to let your kids hear you process your faith. 
Let them hear you pray. And in your prayers, you don't have to make it all perfect. You can certainly be age appropriate. Don't bring a lot of stress onto young kids. They don't need that. But in your prayers, let your teenage kids and your middle school kids hear you talk to God and admit, God, I don't know it all, but I'm glad we can have trust and confidence in you. Get about your father's business. Turn away from suspicion and deep down wondering if God's going to take care, for you, care of you and grow in your confidence that the one who said he would never leave you or forsake you, he was telling the truth. Get down to the bedrock and lean in. And for some of you, your best days are ahead because you're going to discover exactly the power that comes when you begin to serve the people around you. Now, you may have to get creative. You may have to learn to step over the normal ways that we interact with people and get past some of those limitations. But your word, your kindness, your giving, your generosity with your emotion is going to make a profound difference. And your best days of ministry for many of you are ahead. Yeah, don't be stuck. Take concerns. Seriously. Be cautious in the pragmatics, especially if you have responsibility over a group of people. But boldly love because your best days as a child of God are ahead of you. And it doesn't matter how much the wind blows. It doesn't matter how much the sea rises. When your foundation is solid, you will be secure. You will. And I am praying that God's church globally rises up like never before. And we don't stand in arrogant confidence, but we stand in humble confidence and in bold love. And the world sees the love of God through us. So, one more time. Serve. Give. Love. Be gracious. Be kind. Be generous. Make room for others. Share with others what you have. This is what Christians have always done. This is what we are known for We are uniquely poised to serve the world around us, your family, this community, this church, because this is who God has made us to be, and we are not alone. Now, if you were in the room, I'd ask you to pull out your Connect card, since we can't do that right now. Even if you don't call this church home, I want to invite you to walk with me through five practical steps that maybe we need to take today. Maybe you need to take one or two of them. So instead of filling out a Connect card and taking the steps, I'm going to invite you to simply email next steps, one word, no dots, no dashes, next steps at fourcornerschurch.com, one of the following or two of the following five opportunities. You would simply open up your email app, type at the two line, next steps at the number fourcornerschurch.com, and then in your own words, write one of these steps, and then we'll send you a gentle reminder You can also include in that email any prayer concerns that you have. We want to pray for you. And if you're running out of supplies, if you're in a situation, let us know. We have people in our church who would be glad to serve you over the next few days. Let me give you those five options. The first one, if you call the church home, you know where I'm going with this. It's next step A. And it says, today I want to make Jesus my Savior and Lord. It's a great time to turn to faith. There's no shame when you're stressed and pulled in every direction, wondering where life's going, to turn to God. That's exactly what he invites you to do, to walk through the door and put your trust in him. Now, the good news is you don't have to trust yourself. You don't have to trust the world. What you do is you trust the work that Jesus did on your behalf on the cross and in his resurrection. And you say, in effect, God, 
I can't save myself. So I trust the work that Jesus did for me on the cross. And when he was resurrected from the dead, I trust in that alone to save me. I want to be your child. I'll follow you with my life. And if you want to do that, email nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com. Just mark it. And we want to just communicate with you. We won't hound you. We won't bother you. We just want to tell you about the privilege of being a child of God. Or next step B, you would just email nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com. B, and it says, today I want to be baptized. At our church, when we gather back together on Easter, hopefully long before then, but on Easter Sunday, April 12th, we're going to have a baptism service. And if you haven't been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, we want you to go public with your faith. And this church wants to celebrate what it means that you were dead in your sins, but God has raised you to new life. So if you have questions about baptism, want to get baptized, just write B or put baptism in the email. Send it to nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com and we'll help you. Now, next step C is a prayer I'm going to give you to pray every morning. If you want to do it, email it and we will email us and we'll send you this prayer and a couple of gentle encouragements. It says this, I'm going to pray this prayer each morning. Father, help me to grow in trust during this season of life. It's a simple one sentence prayer. When you feel anxiety rise up, when you feel concerns, when you have questions you don't know the answers to, Father, help me to trust you more in this season of life. I want to grow in my faith and in my confidence of you. The next step, D, is something I'm hoping everybody who calls this church home will do. It says, I will look for ways to boldly love those around me as we walk through the next few weeks. Don't cower in fear. If you need to socially isolate, please do that. Be responsible. But find a way to boldly love. Our best days and your best days are ahead of you. And the next step is, says, hey, send me some information for how I can help. We have a variety of streams of information coming to us of both concerns and opportunities. And we are going to spend time Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as a church community bringing those things together. And if you want to help, send us an email at nextsteps@fourcornerschurch.com. Nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com saying, hey, I'm willing to help. Now, any of those things you want to do, anything you want to tell us, send us to nextsteps@fourcornerschurch.com, and we'll be glad to pray with you, stand with you, give you resources so that during this time, we can truly be the Big C Capital Church. I think God would be pleased with us if we did that. Now, the last thing I want to say to you before I pray with you is even though we're not in this room, because Four Corners Church has been a generous church over the last few weeks, we are not concerned. We are prepared to make the changes that we need to make financially to continue our ministries. And I just want to say thank you to a generous church that we're in that position. However, if you do call this church home and you want to make sure we continue to stay in this position, it would be appropriate for you to give online. Go to our website, fourcornerschurch.com, the Give tab, and follow the steps. Or you can text to give. That number is probably on the screen. If not, grab a pen real quick. I'll give it to you. It's 513 813- 806-2724. And on your phone right now, you can begin to text. You simply put a number in there. So 10, which would be $10, or 20, which would be 20 bucks. And then you hit send. And then you'll get back some instructions on how to complete your gift online. So 513-806-2724. You put a number in there. And then that begins the process to allow you to securely give and support your church. Over the next few weeks, we'll keep you informed on Facebook, through email. If you're a member, you're getting those emails. If you're not getting them but would like to, just email nextsteps at fourcornerschurch.com and say, keep me up to date. We'll make sure you're added to the list. But what we're going to do right now is one of the most important things Christians can do. When things are good and when they're troubling, 
we're going to talk to the God who we know who hears us. In the Old Testament, the prophet said it this way, that God's ear is not so deaf and his arm is not too short. He hears us and he is able to reach down where we are. So wherever you're coming from, whatever's on your mind, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Father, thank you that you are at work. Sometimes we can't discern where it's going, but we are completely confident that when the wind blows, when the waters rise, when the storm rages, our foundation is solid because our foundation is you. You are the God who does not change. You are dependable. You are promise keeper. So Father, I lift up our congregation right now and I ask you, Jesus, to reach down and touch hearts. Father, would you grow our faith? Would you draw us back to what's most important? Lord, would you help us to love our wives, love our husbands, love our children, love our communities like we never have? Father, for those of us that have been drifting, draw us back to you. Lord Jesus, accomplish your profound work in us. You have an amazing way of bringing beautiful light out of ugly darkness. So the best we know how we open ourselves up to that right now. And I lift up the men and women who are declaring right now, Jesus, save me. I trust you. I trust the work that you did on the cross and in your resurrection. I trust in that alone as the pathway for me to have a relationship with my creator. And Lord Jesus, help this church to rise up, to love boldly, to not be given to simple fear, but to remember that you have given us power, you have given us love, and you have given us a sound mind. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.